Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. Thanks for joining us. We're going to be talking about spray tank cleanout on today's show. I know, I know, it's an exciting topic. But you know what? As a lot of growers are putting in corn and soybeans at the same time, it also leads to herbicides getting applied at about the same time. So if you're switching back and forth between one crop and the next, spray tank cleanout is going to be a big, big concern. All right, we're also going to be taking your calls and questions throughout the day and your emails. Man, we've got a bunch of emails that came in, radio at agphd.com. We'll get to those emails here in just a second, and our phone lines will be open. I'm just getting that up right now on my screen, 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have an agronomic question, we can talk about it on the phone, discuss just a little bit. All right, so we're out looking in our fields. We've got pretty decent emergence in most of the fields, but there's a few spots and there's a few little plants here and there that you wonder, man, why are they coming up slow? And the big thing right now at this point is just to do a lot of digging and investigation and asking some questions. One of the things that we're seeing in our farm, so we were really, really dry at planting, which to some degree was kind of fun. And I know Brian would argue, man, this is how I love it at planting season. It's dry. We can get into every spot of every field and the conditions are pretty much the same everywhere, which that's that's fun when you can set machines up and pretty much just run. But the downside of that is it was so dry that there are some spots that I believe we got some dry dirt down into the furrow. And I know as you look at planters and, and row to row through, across the planter, you're going to see some differences. There's going to be parts that get out of adjustment and I don't know, just all kinds of things that you could miss or an adjustment that should have been made or a bolt that got loose, all those kinds of things. And when you do look through your planter, you've got to be very thorough. And I know this is one of the things that we caught this spring when we were getting the planter ready to go is, man, we've got some gauge wheels that just flat out need to be replaced. And a lot of times right along where that gauge wheel uh, presses up against the, the, the disc, you just have a gap there. And if you get a little bit of a gap, you're going to end up with dry dirt falling in. And all of a sudden you end up with emergence on a year like this, where you're planting to moisture, trying to get the seed to come up evenly. And now you've got some dry dirt that falls in that trench. And now those seeds that laid under the dry dirt are not going to be coming. And I know I saw it back in 2012. I I was really surprised to see plants coming up literally a month later than others. And they were nothing more than a weed, never put an ear on. It was terrible, but they just never had the rain. And we're in one of those years again on our farm anyway, where we're just not catching the rain. So something to keep an eye on out there. Also, when we were out digging around and looking at things, this is a great time of year to see some of those differences. So for our farm, we're always doing trials. Almost every field that we've got, we've got a side-by-side -side with the planter. We've got variable rate population. We've got different treatments that we're putting out there. We've got unintentional test plots. I was just looking at one of my fields today and looking through the maps on, on one of the programs, and I noticed, wait a second, how come there's this strip and a half across this soybean field. Well, that's where somebody forgot to turn on 
the liquid infuro treatment. And I thought, oh, okay, well, we were trying different rates out on this field, but now we've got an untreated check there too. And a lot of times you may just see that just as you start into a pass here and there for a small amount of feet, those kinds of things. But I've got a nice strip and a half all the way across the field in that particular field to look at. So it's just interesting to get out and see what's going on. Also, I have heard from some growers that there are some replant issues out there in different areas and got a lot of encouragement from a number of different agronomists I've been working with here in the upper Midwest saying, just tell everybody, get out there, look at their fields, because if we want to replant, we really haven't given up that many good growing days yet. We haven't given up you know, some rains that we missed and, and some hot days that we had and all these kinds of things. So if you were replanting right away, you're hardly even going to know it's a replant field in some cases because they're there's not much crop up in those areas. So do get out, take a look, see what's going on. And if it's a problem that needs to get addressed, I did talk to one person that had an insect issue this year that they had planted very early. They didn't put insecticide in the furrow. They had a lot of wireworm damage, also some seed corn maggot, seed corn beetle type damage too. So they were just saying, man, you know, we didn't realize there was that much pressure out there, but you know what? It was a field that had a cover crop on it, and there's a lot of stuff going on, a great home, a great environment for bugs. So you got to make sure, hey, there are some awesome benefits to reducing tillage. There's some awesome benefits to using cover crops in your rotation. Just make sure that you're managing for some of those other things that make this such a nice environment for plants to grow, for microbes, and unfortunately also for insects out there. You know, the other thing, we're getting some questions about disease. We've got disease in some areas showing up in small grains. And, man, the market prices are really attractive right now. You don't want to give up any yield. So it might be the time where I don't normally spray a fungicide at this timing that you take a look at that because fungicides are reasonably priced this year. There are a lot of generic alternatives keeping the price down, which is great. And even though there are some supply issues, I, I've talked to a few guys, well, I'm not going to spray because this product is gone and my dealer can't get any more. That's crazy. There's so many alternatives out there. And the biggest difference is not from one fungicide to the next. The biggest difference is from untreated to using some fungicide. So do use that fungicide, even if it's not your favorite product or the one you normally use, you might find a new favorite this year by trying something just a little bit different. And certainly with all the tie-ins and rebate programs, maybe there's a, a deal to be had for your farm as well to get something even cheaper than what you've been able to do in the past. We're going to talk about spray tank clean out today, give you a few ideas on that, some, some things to think about that could help you do a better job with this on your farm. We're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. 
Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. This is Quick Dick McDick from Tufnell asking you, have you heard of Mandaco Land Rollers? They're the ones with the green paint, and I'm not talking about the green paint that requires a technician and a laptop to fix. I'm talking about the Mandaco green paint that doesn't need fixing because it's built tough. We're talking 5 8 thick, 42-inch diameter drums, people, and I've learned never to talk about size unless you can back it up when a measuring tape gets pulled out. So keep your seed and rocks in the ground where they belong and get yourself a roller at mandaco.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio talking spray tank clean out today here in the Morton studio and taking your calls and agronomic questions too at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Nebraska and start off there. We've got Bob Klein with University of Nebraska on with us right now. Bob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're glad to participate in your program. You bet. We're talking about spray tank cleanout on today's show, and I don't know how many fields I've driven by, and I bet you have as well, where you can just see, oh, no, there's a V-shaped pattern out there. They had had something they didn't get cleaned out, something that, that – uh, worked in one crop, but definitely is not going to be a friend in the next crop. So when you hear questions from growers about this spray tank clean-out issue, where do you start uh, trying to help them? Yeah, it's really important, you know, not only for all the post-herbicides we use them now, but even for the pre-herbicides. I always remember several years ago, the farm was going to plant an alfalfa field, and so we had a commercial applicator come in and spray a pre-plant or pre-emergence treatment on it. And then he went in and planted alfalfa. What was interesting, uh, about 20 acres was the disaster area. And then two acres was okay. And what happened in that particular case, the farmer estimated it was a 20-acre field. So the commercial applicator loaded up for uh, 20 acres and then sprayed that and ran out and then he had to go back and load up for two acres well there was no damage on the two acres what happened is there was enough atrazine in the sun and so forth that uh, when he sprayed the first uh, 20 acres and so forth it killed all the alfalfa that was emerging and so forth and with that extra rinse uh, on the next application was okay. So, you know, you can have problems both on pre-emergence materials and post, but it's a lot more likely to be on post-treatments. 
Yeah, I see so many growers that want to do everything themselves, and our farm would certainly be be one of those. We we like to try and do it, and that means putting fertilizer out through our sprayer. That means putting out, like you say, pre's and posts and doing all these different things. And man, it is a lot of stuff to get through there. The challenge that I find on our own farm is it sometimes takes some different things and some different techniques to get one thing out of the tank versus another. Do you, do you get a lot of questions about that using ammonia, using bleach, using uh, commercial tank cleaners, those types of things? Yeah, very good question because we uh, in our Nebraska guide the weed disease and insect management, which I'm responsible for that particular part, uh, we expanded that. Now it's 10 pages in length. And, of course, we started off with basically how to clean the sprayer. But then just as you referred to, we've got a section for each of the herbicides in there, recommended cleaning solutions um, for that particular product. And then we also have in the next category sensitive crops that can be a major problem. So that really helps us. And like I say, we expanded that to 10 pages because it's so important nowadays with uh, all the various uh, treatments we got out there. And like you say, we do see a lot of damage in fields. And of course, that's costing a lot of dollars. Yeah, my dad talked about that, that he goes, man, back in the good old days, we only had just a half a dozen of choices, so we all knew which things worked best, but goodness, there's new products all the time, and, and every spray tank, Bob, that's going out, growers are saying, well, we got to have multiple modes of action. We don't want to have resistant weeds. Well, you got lots of different products going out at the same time. You bet. That's that's really true. And we've got to use a lot of different modes of action to control all these resistant weeds now. And some of those are really getting to be big problems for us. So we've got to really plan a good program, uh, find um, pesticides that do have the efficacy we need for that particular weed or weeds. You know, I follow a lot of farmers on social media, and they are busy people, Bob. I, I see guys that are coaching, and uh, they're involved in the schools. They're involved in city politics and, and county politics and state politics and so forth, and they're just busy people. But one of the problems that I see with this is, hey, we get done spraying, and the sprayer sits out in the sun. How much better can we do if we clean it out right away rather than let it get dried on on the inside of those tanks? Yeah, you're exactly right. We want to clean that sprayer immediately. And in fact, some of the labels, you know, all require that daily cleaning and so forth to keep from building up in the um, in the sprayer and so forth. And it can be a real problem. I always remember this one outfit had sprayed three uh, soybean, excuse me, three loads out on the soybean field and they were loading the fourth load. And they looked over and, you know, it's gonna rain here in a short period of time. And this was on Friday afternoon, it rained pretty good. So they couldn't get in and spray that uh, until Monday afternoon. And where they started spraying again, they had no injury from those first three tank loads, but by the chemical loaded up there, the glyphosate plus the additives, it absorbed the material 
on that weekend, and then they had damage on the fourth load, no damage on the first three loads. So what you say is really important. You want to clean that sprayer right away because those materials, they can get pretty hard in there. And like I say, it might take all weekend for them to dissolve out. One question we get, Bob, is about the kind of tanks that growers have. A lot of growers have got poly tanks, and we see many of the big custom app rigs with stainless steel tanks. Does that make a huge difference? Well, stainless steel tanks, I prefer stainless steel tanks. Now, you can have some problems, you know, with the poly tanks absorbing the materials, but most of the problem is actually in the hoses and so forth and the booms. That's where we have a lot more problems. So uh, you can do a pretty good job if you've got a high-pressure washer to uh, clean that tank out. But one of the things that we really caution people, when you're putting the hoses on the sprayer, and I, the less hose I have on the sprayer, the better I like it because they can be a problem. In fact, I like uh, wet booms, like stainless steel wet booms or tubing out there instead of the hoses. But for the hoses, make sure you get a real high-quality hose. Uh, some of the people like John Deere have some real quality hoses, and uh, you and some of the other manufacturers have that too. So make sure you get a real quality hose that doesn't absorb the uh, pesticides like some of the cheaper hoses do. You know, I think you make a great point there too. We see a lot of issues in the booms and I, I don't know does it just get forgotten or are we just so worried about the big tank that we forget about the booms or are there just so many more places things can get stuck there yeah and it's really interesting in the ends of the booms you want to make sure you flush out the booms because that's an excellent place for the uh, chemicals to build up now some of the new sprayers you can actually recirculate and that's a great thing for cleaning out the booms and so forth. But uh, make sure if you don't have one of those recirculating sprayers that you equip the end of your boom so you can flush those out because we find a tremendous amount of buildup in the end of those booms. Yeah, we have as well. Even on, we got a brand new sprayer that the, the company had just used as a demo on, according to the salesperson, only one other farm. They had done a demo, but man, the ends of the booms are already caked with material. And so fortunately, our farm you manager bet. is like, I am not taking that sprayer and taking his word. We're going to do a thorough clean out before anything touches our ground. He was absolutely right. And that's what you want to do. You get a sprayer, make sure you really clean it because you don't know what was in it. And some of these materials, you know, when we spray them like glyphosate, it actually almost took on none around that pretty corn, almost an ounce of it to see injury on none around that pretty corn. Wow. Well, if you take when the dicamba on none dicamba soybeans, uh, one drop is enough to see injury on 2.7 acres. One drop out of an eyedropper on 2.7 acres. Now, yeah. for people in Nebraska who are kind of football crazy, that's almost equivalent to three football fields. <laughs> three Cornhusker football fields. Hey, we're talking to Bob Klein with University of Nebraska. Great stuff, Bob. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. 
Howler is Omri listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. When it comes to competitive herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Weedmaster, Patriot, and Diablo for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucinto fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about spray tank cleanout on today's program. You know, if we have a problem out in the field, we just don't want it to be because we miss something in our spray tank cleanout. There's enough things that can go wrong. There's crazy weather, there's resistant weeds, there's all these other things out there. But spray tank cleanout, this should be a slam dunk. We should be able to do a good job with this. That's why we're talking about it today. Got Fred Whitford with us right now with Purdue. Fred, thanks for joining us. Well, I'm glad to be there. Uh, uh, I got a chance to hear Bob's talk, and it's always a privilege. He's one of the one of the one of the people in this area that I highly respect. So he's just a cool dude. I'm I'm glad I had a chance to listen to him, Brian. Yeah, he had great information too, and I love some yeah. of the stories because when you've been around for a little while, you 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 run into different <laughs> things that happen out in the field. And do you get those calls, Fred? Do you get some crazy calls that hey, I can't figure out what I did wrong or or where I'm missing it here with spray tank cleanout? 
Yeah, and so to relate, yeah, as um, the one that comes up is the one, it can't be. I've been spraying this and spraying (laughs) it and spraying it, no problem, and all of a sudden it pops up in the field. It can't be from that. Oh, it can be, and and Bob hit hit it just right, that this stuff is is in the hoses. And so, sure, it can't be, and especially if it just sits a while, let's say the chemical, and probably our best – our best tank clean out is glyphosate, and when it pulls, because it's got solvents, and there is the secret, it's got solvents that pull things out of the hoses, and and that's why it shows up, and then we spray it, and we have the damage. So, so yeah, you, you get these stories, and a lot of them are just perplexing. A lot of them are just, you, you, you know, again, you're not there. You're doing your best you can, but uh, it's usually something that is pretty simple, Um you know, so I give you my, the best example, Brian. You don't want it in the hoses, then you have an option to buy a hose that's got a liner on the inside of the rubber and a liner on the outside. Um, it's the newer hose that's out there. And yeah, it's more expensive, but it's going to prevent that from touching the rubber. And, and I'm going to say it's plastic. It's not plastic, but it's a plastic like material, new hose, um, and that eliminates that hose from being the problem. And that's why he said, select a better hose. That's an example of that. Yeah, that's that's a big, big deal. And we were talking about the the whole stainless steel tanks and, and getting wet booms and these kinds of things. There, there are just a lot of things that you can choose from. And why is it, Fred, that when a grower gets a new pickup, man, he can tell you every option on this. But sometimes when you ask about the sprayer, well, I don't know, I guess it's got this and it's got that, but... There, there are other choices that could be made that for some reason, maybe we're just trying to cut corners. Yep. And, and, and in fact, I would probably argue that's a, that's the, the reason why for, for good reasons. And, and Brian, for good reasons, you know, you got to spray these weeds when they're small, if you want to get a good kill, if you wait two days, those weeds are already up to your knees. Right. I mean, so, so people are trying to cover a lot. Of, I mean, we're obviously much larger today and, and we're trying to cover a larger area we're trying to do it quicker. We're trying to kill those weeds because they do rob us of yield. So, you know, we're, we're just hurrying it up. Um, but there are a few times you just have to say, you know, just you, you got to take your time. If not, you're going to be dealing with this. And I believe, if I'm not, I believe I'm correct, that if you damage your own crop, you don't have insurance for that. They can't insure, insure you against your own mistakes. And so, you know, luckily a lot of these don't end up in yield losses, though, you know, some of them, some of them do. But. Yeah. Or, or sometimes it's small areas and it's just kind of embarrassing. I was out in a, a farm that the grower couldn't figure it out. He had these irregular patterns out there of, of crop injury and he said, something's going on. And we went out and every time he turned around, all the water in the spray tank sloshed around enough that it washed some more of what was stuck to the top of the tank off put that in solution and he got a little burn when he turned back around and it was it was really crazy i'd never seen anything like that but i just asked him did you clean out the spray tank after you did your soybean prees he said you bet i did i cleaned it thorough and i said when did you do that well just before i wanted to spray my corn post emerge which was a week or two later and it just sat out in the sun and you wouldn't think that would be a huge deal but it sure was so brian is there's a couple of areas and i think because we're pretty comfortable using specific chemicals. And then when a new chemical and dicamba is probably the newest chemical, but you know, you, you look at new chemicals. Sometimes we, we have to change things because 
that new chemistry is not as forgiven as maybe one of the older ones. So, you know, for for instance, uh, a lot of this, a lot of growers specifically will use ammonia. Okay, okay, that's right. fine. Yep. Uh, they put a gallon, what a gallon per hundred. So it's a made up number that came from somewhere, but they, you know, they they use the ammonia. And and what we found out, for instance, is ammonia is really good of killing the product that it can touch, but ammonia doesn't go into the hoses. Okay. That is why a lot of these products will tell you to buy a tank cleaner that's got the surfactants. And if you remember what I said, Roundup has those surfactants in it, right? It's the soaps. It's the things that make it work. And so that's why a lot of these products are telling you get a tank cleaner because it's going to have the high pH that you would get with ammonia, and it's going to have a soap, some sort of soap, to be able to pull that garbage out of the hoses and actually have the chemical be able to kill it. There are simple things like that, that Brian, that we can do that, that we just have to change what we do because of these new chemistries uh, actually show, uh, inj- uh, they show damage or show injury, depending on what word you would like to use there. No, the, the other one that, that oh, oh, Fred, Bob I was just going to add on to your comment on ammonia here too. One one thing that we've seen with ammonia is sometimes that'll help peel things off the sides of that spray tank, but it doesn't seem to let them stay in solution. It seems like they they end up being almost a slime at the bottom of the tank after you drain it back yes. out. Where the tank cleaner seems a little better at that. Yes. Now I will also uh, uh, tell you that, and it, this is many many times. Um, that, oh, yeah, yeah, I cleaned it, cleaned it really good. Okay, you did, fine. And so you you look inside the tank, and you see this stuff plastered uh, where, it, it, I don't know, it, it's, it looks like it's just come, it came out of solution. It's plastered to the uh, stainless steel, and it's not coming off. You can run, one guy remembered not too long ago, 500 gallons of water, and this stuff is still on it. And I didn't realize it till I looked in the tank. And so another approach is when you clean a tank, just open the lid and look in it and see, did it actually get it clean? Because sometimes uh, it's, this is a buildup over, over a period of time. And the new products coming in, the solvents will eat it, and there you have your problem. You shoot it out on the wrong crop. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And 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 here's the thing, we've got so many different applications we're going to be making with these sprayers throughout the season. And I, my brother had this idea, Fred, and he said, you know, instead of trading off the old sprayer, let's keep the old sprayer. Then we could just use one for corn and one for soybeans. But even doing that, you still have pre-emerge herbicides that are going to ding you up post-emerge. So even if you have different sprayers for each crop, you still have potential for problems. Brian, we don't have anything called corn and beans anymore. <laughs> uh, it used to be when I started this 30 years ago that I could do various things to separate them to, you know, the rinse aid I could put in the corn tank, the rinse aid put in the bean tank. But today our, our corn varieties, our soybean varieties are so different. They carry so many traits for this, for that, that it's, I don't even, you know, I don't view that as being even an option because, what would help one? What won't hurt one corn will hurt another. Same with the beans. It, it makes it pretty difficult. Yeah, it isn't as simple well, anymore. That's for sure. I, that, that I heard, I heard uh, Bob Klein talking about was that, and this is specifically for, for growers. Is where is that last nozzle on the boom? Let me let me close this window here. 
I'm in a parking lot. Where is that last nozzle? If that last nozzle is not on the end, on the tip of the boom, that is where I believe we, that's one of the two places I believe we have most of our problems. Yeah, the, um, the ends so of those it, booms, it, you're it, right. There, When you open up the ends it, of the booms, there is a lot of stuff stuck in many of those booms. I, I often see atrazine, but it's not just atrazine. There's other products as well. Hey, Fred, uh, we got to run, but thank you so much. Really appreciate the time. We we're talking with Fred Whitford here with Purdue about spray tank cleanout. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for RLX Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plug nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Talking about spray tank cleanout, super, super important and something you always have to be concerned about on your farm. Uh, but we're also taking your calls and questions here today, and it doesn't have to be about spray tank cleanup. 844-44-AG-PHD is our line. Uh, Cedric down in Louisiana has been holding for a while. Cedric, thank you so much for hanging on there. really appreciate it. Hey, Darren, how you doing today? Thank you for having me. Well, pretty good. I'm, I'm afraid you're going to stump me, though, with a tough, impossible question here. What, what have you got? What can I help you with? Well, um, I've had a... Uh, 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 some kind of weed growing in my uh, in, a, in one of our hay fields, and they tell me uh, I took it to um, our university ag center, and they did research on it, and it came back as Carolina canary grass. Okay, I have not heard of that um, one before, but I I, uh, I looked up really quick just to see because I Janelle said something about Carolina canary grass. I'm like. Are you sure? Is that not a combination of a couple different things? And I thought maybe it was a, uh, you know, just a term like we call foxtails up here, pigeon grass. And I thought maybe it was one of those kind of things, just a right. name difference. But it looked it up. It says it's a cool season grass. So is it a little tougher to fight early in the spring? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's in a field real bad that we had fertilized back in March because we had a lot of uh, good warm weather and rain coming. Okay. But uh, we didn't have this problem with it last year, and now, as you see on the, it has like a foxtail seed or a little barley uh, seed head on it. Okay. And but it's a grass, so the guys at the university told me the only thing I can do is, uh, you know, let the heat kill it on out. That's the only thing because if I go spraying, you know, some herbicides, it's going to knock the Bermuda or Bahia grass out. You know. Yeah, I, I that's kind of what I'm coming up with as well is there really isn't a, a selective herbicide to get it, but we can do it with, with management if we mow and try to keep it from going to seed since it's an annual weed, do the best we can to, to right. harvest and then use fertility and, and whatnot to, to try and get everything else growing really strong the rest of the summer. Hopefully we can, can choke it out and, and stop it from being a problem next year. Right, right, right. That's what I figured uh, we was going to have to do. You know, either, at the uh, at the end now. of the se- at the end of the season, Cedric, how much growth is out there? Is it is it down pretty low? Does it get grazed, or is it just getting cut for hay? It's, uh, the, these fields are just cut for hay. Okay. And our last cutting is usually the end of September, mid October, and we're cutting it. Uh, you know, that last cutting we cutting it pretty bare to the ground, uh, as close as possible, leaving leave maybe two inches. Okay. Uh, you know, for, I, for regrowth in the springtime. Yeah. I wonder about that. I wonder what would happen if you left a little bit more out there. The reason that I say this is when you've got a cool season annual grass, if you're, if you're getting it real low, that cool season annual grass has mm-hmm. a better shot to come back. Do you just get much more, more vibrant grass growth in general by cutting low with that fall cutting? Is that why you're doing it? Or are you just trying to maximize tonnage? Well, we're trying, we're trying to maximize tonnage, and uh, in the fall, we sprayed this new product called Resilon that okay. needs to sit on the soil during the fall to kill stuff like uh, Italian ryegrass and uh, some other weeds. Uh, so that's why we've been cutting it low for the last two years because of this Resilon product that, you know, we go back spraying in, uh, you know, late October, November time frame. Okay. Okay. Um, so maybe if... If we let this uh, 
if you're saying if we leave, let it thicken up some and and leave maybe uh, three to four inches maybe? Yeah, that, that was my thought because I, I just think about this like a pasture or a lawn. If we cut too short, mm-hmm. then you've got a lot better chance of competition coming up through it. But if we leave a little bit more growth out there, we've got a better shot at it. And this, this Resolon right. product, that has to get down to the soil so it has soil activity. Will it wash through? I mean, will it wash off the foliage just fine or does it put too much burn on the foliage? No, I don't. It don't burn the foliage at all. Oh, uh, perfect, perfect. It is, you know, uh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It don't burn. It, it doesn't kill uh, the grass at all. Okay, uh, I'm wondering if it's. Uh, do you know what the active ingredient is? Is is it a group 15 herbicide? I I, have, I haven't heard of that one. Uh, I'll have to look that one. Indesiflam. Indesiflam. Okay, I'll have to look that one up, and we may yeah. have to follow back up with you, okay. but. Um, but yeah, if it doesn't burn foliage, then I would just leave the foliage a little bit taller so you can hopefully choke out okay. some of those those annual weeds that are going to come. And yeah, I I don't think there's really anything that a person could do other than just not let it go to seed uh, this early part of the season. Then when it gets warmer, it looks like if they've correctly identified the weed, it's a cool season grass. So yeah, when you get hot in Louisiana, mm-hmm. it's going to play into your favor that, that the grasses you want are going to take off and this is going away. Well, thank you for your help, Darren. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate it too. Thanks for the call. I love, I love being challenged, and you guys have some different challenges in Louisiana than we've got up here, no <laughs> doubt about that. We have winter, Cedric. Winter, just frozen ground for six or seven months. We don't have to worry about all these things. Hey, we had a we had a winter this year too, though. In February, we had an ice storm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and you guys were unseasonably cold. I I get it, but I mean, it it persists here for a long time. But yeah, no, sometimes these these grasses in a grass crop though are really challenging. There's no doubt about it, and there just isn't a good yeah. selective herbicide, unfortunately, for that one. Well, Garrett, thank you for your help. You bet. Thanks a lot, Cedric. Really appreciate the call. Okay. Bye bye. Talking about spray tank clean out on our show today and also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, Brian, we were talking with Bob Klein down at University of Nebraska, and he had just some great tips, lots of stories over the years of, hey, uh, we've had guys that have sprayed multiple batches, but then they left the batch, sit in the tank overnight, and boom, they pulled something out of that tank that was there that they had forgotten. Oh, yeah, I did spray dicamba last fall, and there must have still been some in there somewhere. This cleanout issue, it's getting to be a big deal. Brian, maybe I don't have Brian on there. I thought oh, I, I, did, well, I, did, oh. I, did, I didn't know you were swinging it. Over I was to me. I was swinging it over to you. If you had any stories yeah. on spray tank cleanout you wanted to tell before we jump into the mailbag, I think we got a couple minutes left in this segment. Yeah. So as far as tank cleanout, I, I I mean I just think it's incredibly important that you focus on that because we've had a lot of issues on our own farm. And what we ended up doing eventually is I just told our guys, look, you can do the triple rinse thing and that's all great. But I mean, I want you to leave tank cleaner and water and everything in the sprayer overnight even just to try to suck more stuff out of the pores of these tanks. And not only the tank, but it's everything else. You think about all the materials that we're using anymore. It's plastic. It's rubber. uh, It's 
these with semi-porous materials, so that's the problem. If we were running stainless steel with everything and you couldn't get anything into those little pores, it'd be a little bit different, but that's not what we're dealing with with a lot of these sprayers. Yeah, that's that's for sure. There there are just a lot of issues out there, and as we're switching back and forth and trying to get so much done, I mean, many of these sprayers now they're not cheap, so it it does take quite a few acres to get over. So I get it that that we're going to use that sprayer as much as we can, and and with multiple passes through the field now, where fungicide use at multiple timings in many crops is very common, and also spreading out fertilizer and foliar fertilizer and those types of things, we're we're putting so many things through these spray tanks. One thing that that Bob Klein mentioned, and I, I actually haven't seen this resource before, but they have a 10-page document, and much of the 10 pages is recommended cleaning solutions for each different chemistry that's out there. And and Bob said it's a challenge keeping up because there's so many new chemistries now. But that's something that I would highly recommend that, that if you're listening today, you take a look at just to see with each product, what is the best thing to get them out? Because I've got a personal story. We had uh, a farmer that, that had called and asked for some help, and he couldn't figure out why he couldn't get Lotus out of the tank. And when we finally talked to a tech person for that product, they said, oh, well, bleach works really, really good with Lotus. Not not as good with some of the other chemistries, but with that particular one, it works well. Well, the farmer used bleach, it came right out, and he was just super thrilled, other than that he wished he would have known that to start with. So some of the times, it's not always evident which product would be the best. So really appreciate University of Nebraska doing some of that work. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. 
Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. It's exactly what Ryan did. He said, I'm in central Illinois. I got a corn question for you about sulfur. Common practice in our area is putting out ammonium thiosulfate with the side dress. A few people are starting to use ammonium sulfate, or AMS, with the top dress. And my question is, which form do you guys like to use for sulfur? Do you see a big difference? Do they both work? I know in the past you've pointed out that corn is taking up at least half of its sulfur before tasseling, so you do need some early as well. I wonder if I could side dress with V4 applications of UAN and ammonium thiosulfate to get it out there, and hopefully it would last longer. What do you think about that, Brian? Okay. What do you think about putting it in the side well, dress? Well... First of all, in a dry year, you want to have all your sulfur out early, just like you want to have all your nitrogen out early when we're talking heavy soils. So there's no reason to side dress stuff when we've got a dry year, dry soil, and we are thinking, hey, I've got this heavy soil with a high yield potential. So just be on the early side in a dry year. But as a general concept, yeah, I mean, anytime you're putting nitrogen on, throw some sulfur with it, that's great. I don't care what your form of sulfur is in between ammonium thiosulfate and ammonium sulfate. doesn't matter to me, but I'll just say this. I'm not a big believer in top dress. We will not ever do that on our own farm because I don't want leaf burn on my corn. So we always go liquid and either inject it or we'll stream it on top of the ground one way or the other. Okay. Hey, thanks for the question, Ryan. You know, this is a, it's a fun thing too, to look at when you're trying something different and you're curious which way is going to work the best. When you got a couple options that can work, you can always do some, some uh, split fields or, or side-by-sides, those types of things, and just see what works best for you. Well, you can, but then the other thing you want to do is learn from people that have already made the mistakes. And when I have seen excessive leaf burn, out of top dressing, then that just concerns me. So if I knew that I was going to get all kinds of water, let's say I had a three inch rain for sure coming tomorrow, then I'm a lot less concerned about this top dress thing. But where we see the most issue with it, I believe, is when we have 
dew. And then it, the fertilizer just sits there and burns the leaf. The dew comes the next morning, burns the leaf again, and there you go. So I, it's fine if you can wash it off. But if you can't wash it off, then there's just more leaf burn. So that's the reason I don't like it. It's not that you can't do it. It's just I don't prefer it because I don't like to see leaf burn. All right. Great question, Ryan. Really appreciate that. To get this one from Kara, and she said, we let our grass go dormant last summer, and it kind of died. Now we've got this new weed popping up. Just wondering what it is, and how do I get it under control? I've been pulling it so far, so far, but that's that's an awful lot of work. Well, the she sent a picture, Brian. It looks like common knotweed, and if you've got common knotweed in a lawn, our best advice over the years has been to use a 2,4-D product. Now there's a new 2,4-D formulation. Can you talk about what's different about that, Brian? It, it doesn't cost much more, but the benefits seem to be pretty good. Yeah, we talk about Freelex quite often here on the show. If you're still using old 2,4-D amine or ester, I just encourage you to stop. I mean, there's no point in using that old stuff that drifts and volatilizes all over the country, kills all kinds of stuff that you don't want it to kill. Just use Freelex where you don't have all the volatility and you don't have near the drift risk. It's a new 2,4-D that um, still kills the same weed, still works the same, still works quick. It's very, very, very good. And that's what we would recommend in most lawns. And yes, it'll do a good job on knotweed. The only thing that I'll say is knotweed's kind of tough. And so unless you're using the full rate, you will ding it up, but you probably won't kill it. So I would just say, make sure you're using the full rate. And it's hard when you're going with a backpack sprayer or something like that to know, well, what, what rate am I getting out here exactly? So a lot of times for me, and I hate to even say this, but a lot of times for me, the indicator is that I slightly turn the grass brown. If I didn't, then I wasn't at the full rate. So that's usually on our, in our situation, what I find. But, yeah, as much as you can calibrate it so you're getting the full rate, that's great. That's what you want. All right. Thanks for, for the question. Really appreciate that. Good luck. All right. Got this one from Inko who says, I was the first question of your new segment, Blunt with Brian. That was awesome. I should mention I'm from Canada. Brian was talking about the Group 2s, the ALS products. They just aren't working as well. There's too many resistant weeds. Well, where I'm at in Canada, they're still working pretty good. I'm wondering if I'm going early post with a Group 15 product, if I wanted to mix a Group 2 together with that in conventional soybeans, would you anticipate a lot of leaf burn? Would there be any kind of action where one herbicide would degrade the other, or would this be a good tank mix? It would be just fine. I'm not that worried about it. You can certainly do it if it's killing the weeds that you're after. All group 15s, though, are going to give you just a little bit of, we usually call it bronzing on the leaves. And with ALS herbicides, we can see a little bit of stunting of the plant. So when you have two, and especially if you are running a good rate or a strong rate of both, well, you're just going to have all that be amplified a little bit more. Is it going to be horrible? Is it going to be like spraying cobra on your worst day ever not even close but still it's there you're going to see some crop response but it shouldn't damage yield or anything like that it's basically just cosmetic all right thanks for the question 
Get this one from Eric, uh, who was watching an old Weed of the Week segment, and we were talking about common mallow, and and he got to see recommendations on corn, soybeans, and wheat. But Eric said, I've got this weed in my alfalfa. What are some broadleaf control options that I may consider using to take out common mallow in alfalfa? Yeah, well, in alfalfa period, you only have three choices for broadleaves. You've got raptor. I mean, you can say pursuit too, but I mean, they're basically the same thing. You've got buckdrill, and then you've got a low rate of butyrac. That's 2,4-DB, and that's pretty hard on the alfalfa. So will each one of those have some activity on mallow? Yes. What would be the best? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'd take my shots on the raptor, to be honest with you. I think you might do a decent job with raptor. That's kind of what I thought. Yep, that's kind of what I thought. But but I'd also I mean, say Buckdrill Buckdrill's not bad. I mean, it all depends on what right. what you're going after out there, but but yeah, Buckdrill if it's warm and you can get great coverage will work. Uh I would say Raptor may be a little bit more forgiving. All right. Thanks for the question, Eric. Thanks for checking out our show as well. Uh, I got this question from Jerry in Minnesota, and he said, Last year I sprayed Enlist One for the first time. I mixed a volunteer corn herbicide with it, Clethodim, and it didn't really work very well. My dealer blamed <laughs> I, I it say, on I know the, what question is coming. My dealer blamed it on the use rate. I'm wondering if I picked the wrong product. Should I try something different this year? I'm expecting to have some volunteer corn challenges. Okay, first of all, I don't care if you're putting it with 2,4-D or dicamba. So, in other words, we're talking either enlist crops or extend crops. But if you mix a grass killer or volunteer corn killer with either 2,4-D or dicamba, I can promise you it's not going to work the same as when you spray it by itself. The one, the 2,4-D and dicamba antagonize or basically degrade the performance of that volunteer corn herbicide. So what we suggest is, first of all, clethodim is the worst volunteer corn killer there is. So I'd step it up. I'd probably use fusillate. So that's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is double the rate. In most cases, doubling the rate is still going to be on label. Just make sure you don't exceed the label rate. But if you double the rate and you use fusillate, um, so what I'm saying is most people go with like four ounces of fusillate if they do it with Roundup. Well, with this, you're going to want to go eight ounces. Okay, so, and it's the same thing with clethodim. If you say, well, I'm absolutely dead set on using clethodim, okay, fine. Um, you're normally going to use either four or six ounces, double it to either eight or 12 ounces, and now you're, you'll, you'll do better at least. All right, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.